It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Seahawks started the year hot. They slid late but still got to the postseason. What can we expect from Seattle in 2023? It's Seahawks Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And of course, a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL. And when you enter promo code LOCKDOWNNFL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler like the one Kyle Krabs is holding in his hand with every order Kyle uh welcome happy Friday sorry I did the thing you're supposed to do but what's up that's that's fine have you been keeping track of what's going on in Las Vegas uh, with the Stanley Cup you I would be willing to bet you're completely oblivious to this I know that the Panthers won in overtime four to three so now that we have a two to one series Florida though oh what's have happening you seen in this Vegas? UFO thing oh please no not a chance brother you gotta check this out they have that like body cam footage from like an on um on shift police officer of something coming down from the sky with light and then somebody else in the neighborhood had a ring doorbell that picked up the sound of like this thing and then a couple minutes later some family in Vegas calls 911 and is like yeah there's like these 8 foot tall things in our backyard so then the police go over there and they're asking about it and they're all freaked out because they know the police officer saw something on body cam. And then when the news ran the story, for whatever reason, because it was private property, they blacked out them going into the backyard on the body cam to see what was going on. If I saw an alien in my backyard, the first thing I would do is videotape it. Where's the video? So the kid who's a part of the family who actually called 911, he started a YouTube channel. I'll send it to you. Am I, am I getting bamboozled right now? I mean, what, what is going no. on here? We pushed record. We're supposed to talk about the Seahawks. We're talking about aliens. And you're we like, got to stay like on schedule. In. You're like going in on this. I don't understand. Is this a real thing? Yes. Everybody tweet at the Joe Marino and send him the, the news clips. If you have seen on social media, the UFO, th- I got to text Rob Juden. I got to figure yes, out. Yes, make sure our guy's okay out I'm there. I'm going to text him right now. I'm going to see if I hear from him while we're on the air. All right. But I'm going to text him right now. We can get into Seattle. It's West right. Coast. You know, it's, right. it's, it's <laughs> relevant to Seattle. I know. We got the wildfires over here, so we might as well just 
just uh, Dude, re- this is the first day all week that my sky and I'm in Delaware yeah. is not like heavy haze. It's been crazy, crazy yeah. times we're living in. I've seen, I've seen those pictures. Those have come through. I've seen them. The pink moon and all that. I've right. seen these pictures. Right. No aliens. Texting. All right, we're, we're talking. Kyle's texting Rob Juden. What's up, dude? Uh, we are going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks on today's podcast. So welcome the 12s, right? That's what they call themselves, the 12s. Yes. Uh, welcome. We're talking about your football team. Kyle and I uh, spent really the last 24 hours studying your team, watching the film. And we've categorized every player on your roster. And we're going to talk about this football team entering 2023 today, first of all, with the offense, a unit that um, – Caught some fire last year with Geno Smith, and everybody wrote him off, but he didn't write back. Some good receivers here, a nice pair of young tackles, a new running back situation. Kyle, Seahawks offense, your number one prevailing thought from studying them. Like the brand of football that they play, uh, physical, obviously very committed to running the football. They're they're kind of an outlier team in that regard. Obviously, Geno Smith posted the season in which he did where uh, they, they were – Highly productive in the passing game with, with Geno. Kind of no drop-off from what Russell Wilson had been from a big-picture grand scale. Um, f- almost 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns. Obviously very efficient play. Uh, but I like the way that they are, they're constructed to remain balanced offensively. Kenneth Walker was awesome for them. I think they have the right kind of body types up front. They really like those. And, and it stayed this way for a while. Um they they have gone after these kind of heavy-handed interior guys, and now they got a couple of really young uh, athletic tackles that can also move you. Uh, so I just love the vision here of what they've put together and the fact that they're a team that is not falling into that trap of the style of play of today's game and putting all of their eggs in the passing game basket. And obviously they doubled down on that with Zach Charbonnet and Kenny McIntosh's rookie picks. Uh, just like the the makeup of this team is kind of a challenging matchup versus uh, a lot of what you expect on Sundays these days. Yeah, Shane Waldron, this offensive coordinator, it's it's a very Rams like offense that uh, features the running game like you would expect, but also you know a lot of tight end usage, at least what I've noticed from uh, the film that I studied. And you know they're going to have some new pieces here in the middle of this offensive line with Evan Brown coming over playing center. They lose Austin Blythe. Uh, Phil Haynes is now kind of your permanent guy there at guard. I know Gabe Jackson was part of the mix last year. So a couple new players there. Excited to see Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas um, build off of really strong rookie seasons and for this unit to continue to develop. It's a young group. Damian Lewis looks like he's going to be an answer for them at left guard. So I like the makeup of this offensive line. We've got some questions about the depth, but I think their starting five is is really solid. Uh, And like you mentioned, this running back situation, they want to run the football. They have Ken Walker had a big rookie season despite missing some time, some really explosive runs. And they got Zach Charbonnet to go with him. And and Charbonnet was like one of my favorite prospects from the class. And, you know, they they lose uh, Travis Homer. They lose Rashad Penny from this backfield. So they kind of replenished there. They got Zach Charbonnet. They got Kenny McIntosh. DJ Dallas has been there. Uh, But they got some guys here that have size, that can get downhill, that have some juice to go with some power, a lot of pass-catching prowess when it comes to the depth of this group. Um, Like, this run game, this offensive line is a really intriguing part of the offense, but at the same time, like you mentioned, we have a quarterback here in Geno Smith that was really productive, two really good receivers in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and oh, by the way, they invested a first-round pick in Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
And so I think there's going to be some scheme evolution here. It's not just going to be running the football. I mean, they have three receivers that they're going to want to play to go with tight ends. You know they like getting them going. So I think you have the stage set here in Seattle for a very multiple-looking offense with how they can attack defense, throwing the football, and running the football. I'm glad you said that because that is kind of where you think about bringing in Noah Fant as part of the Russell Wilson trade and then drafting Jackson Smith and Jigba. They they have this really good run blocker in Will Disley that's getting yeah, paid a lot of money. I like to, Will. To, yeah. Yeah. Good I, player. I'm a big fan. But the contrast of styles, I mean, they, they have contrasting styles in just about every room on the offensive side of the ball here. You think about Tyler Lockett versus DK Metcalf. You think about Noah Fant Opposites. versus Will Disley. Yeah, Opposites. you think about yes. So that they they really have opportunities to challenge you in a multitude of ways. So I really liked how you you kind of vocalized that. Um, as we kind of wrap up the offensive side of the ball, what do you think the ceiling is for Geno Smith? This year, obviously, this is a bit of a tough one. This this was an outlier season versus uh, his track record uh, as a quarterback at the NFL level. He passed for a third of his career passing yardage and half of his career passing touchdowns this past season, and it didn't finish clean. Yeah, last year. So I think that's kind of the mystery bag for what the ceiling is. We both graded Geno Smith as a quality starter as I'm on YouTube. I'll pull the depth chart back up for what we have. But uh, so I think we're both willing to buy into uh, this being to some degree sustainable, but the ceiling for Seattle, as is often the case with teams, is going to be determined by how sustained his play is. Where do you think that falls with what his play was at the end of the year versus uh, what we saw kind of when they got hot in the middle of the year. I'll admit that I'm nervous. Yeah, I mean, he tapered off a lot. A lot of his turnovers came in the back half. Uh, production tapered off in the back half. And that's why I think it's really important for them to have the offseason that they did to come up with more ways that they can attack defenses. I think having that slot player in Jackson Smith and Jigba to go with Lockett and Metcalf can really diversify their passing game. Um, I think preserving their run elements is going to be important to foster that environment for Geno to be more like what we saw earlier in the season. But yeah, I thought things got hard for him down the stretch and things got a little goofy and the turnovers picked up and kind of the decision-making and, you know, he was the way he was navigating the pocket. It wasn't as clean. Uh, the off script stuff wasn't coming as natural. So uh, how do you get more of what you had early in the season from Gino? And I think they've got a pretty good plan with how I think they should diversify their offense based on the influx of personnel. And, you know, for all the talk of you know, how the season ended, this is a team that played San Francisco in the wild card round. And yeah, they gave up 18 points in the fourth quarter, but you know, they were leading at halftime of that football game. So, I think there's a lot to build upon. Now, it took them a while to get going offensively. They needed a, a big explosive play uh, to kind of get fast-tracked there. A uh, 50-yard touchdown pass from Geno to DK Metcalf in the second half of that game. But well, they they took that game into the fourth quarter, down six points. So I think there's a lot of inspiration if you are Seattle in just different bounces of the ball going your way this year or, or 
making sure the game script doesn't get to the point where you have to chase that game. And I think that's kind of what's nice about how they've constructed themselves offensively and now having more ways to go about doing that. And Jackson Smith and Jigba gives you another player for if you do have to open up the passing game to try and get stuff done. You've got another weapon that, that you know is going to compound the spacing of the field offensively. I, I think there's a lot to like here for Seattle offensively. All right, we're going to shift our focus to the defensive side of the football as we continue this conversation today on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. But first, need to tell you about Bird Dogs. I really love this brand. Their joggers, their shorts are awesome. They make you look good. I think we have a modeling opportunity here for Kyle. There they are. Those, those are good-looking shorts on Kyle. Uh, they have this, um, this stretch khaki material. They're designed to fit slimmer <laughs> through the thigh and leg. Give you a truly sculpted look, as you can see here, Kyle is demonstrating. They fit a lot better than the regular shorts. They're not made of that stiff, restricting cotton like you typically see. Uh, bird dogs fix the issue. They invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And, uh, you know, Kyle, fortunately for you as well here, as you model these shorts, bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. Uh, that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash NFL. Enter promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Joe, here's cheers to bird dogs, huh? Brother, what, I mean, what were you standing on? Was that your uh, office chair? My, my you office went? chair. That was very, <laughs> I almost had my Bill's Mafia moment and fell off through the table. Oh, boy. I tried I'm... to do a full 360. I got about three quarters of the way around, and then I kept swinging my arms and it wouldn't go. So I'm like, mm. I just have to go back the way I came. Mm. Imagine Good not course. watching on YouTube. I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't there, miss there it. There is some poor person where all the uh, outlets in which this product is syndicated that is just not going to be paying attention, and they're going to come in about 12 minutes through today's episode and just see yep. me standing on a chair with my butt in front of the camera. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a screen grab opportunity that, that may make its way. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Uh, and you want to know how you know Bird Dogs is the real deal? If I'm wearing clothes at home, it's like gym shorts. I'm voluntarily wearing these because they are comfortable. They are that comfortable. Good stuff. Seahawks defense. Let's let's do it. Let me pull that back up on the, the board for everybody. So we have some players to come to consensus to here on the defensive side of the ball, particularly on the defensive line. This conversation's got to start in the, the secondary, though, right? That's where they're the strongest, I'd say. And I, I like the safety room with with Julian Love coming in with Jamal Adams coming back from injury. We'll see if he's healthy and ready to go for the start of the season. Quandre Diggs continues to, uh, for whatever reason, be a gem that's probably not getting the respect that he deserves uh, for how good of a player he is. 
And then Witherspoon paired with Tariq Woolen and, and Mike Jackson is a, a really good depth player and another young player in Kobe Bryant who got playing time last year as a rookie. And it's it's there's they've got physicality, they've got athleticism, they've got instincts on the back end, and then they've got a chess piece of Jamal Adams, which I think is really critical because they're only carrying four. Or I think last year, for a stretch of time, they only carried three linebackers on the active roster. So they, they need that versatility, and obviously that was um, Ryan Neal for a stretch last year when Adams went down and he's not here. But I think between Love and Adams, you got guys that can play low to the box and, and give you effective play. Tariq Woolen, man. Fifth rounder. Explain it to me like I'm five years old. Books. I don't get it, dude. Draft dudes alumni, Tariq Woolen. That he he broke up a pass in the Kansas City game. Watson must have had a ton of a ton like probably five His steps. Acceleration when the ball's in the air is Bro, just ridiculous. He passed him the, off. Was this, that the shot in the end zone? Yes. Mahomes didn't make Over a bad the middle throw. Of the field, right? Yes. Yeah. Woolen passed him off. The safety didn't carry, and Woolen's like, okay, well, I best better get here. Get on oh, your horse. <laughs> what in the world? What in the world? Um, hopefully everything goes well. He had arthros or orthoscopic surgery on his knee, uh, end of May supposed to be ready for camp, but I, I don't like that. I don't like that being true. I wish he was, uh, completely unrestricted right now, but we'll see. We'll see there. Obviously Devin Witherspoon's an exciting player to, to pair with him. I, the secondary is just, it looks good to me. Um, I'm interested in how this front comes together. It's they, they, oh, they turned over a lot of this front, a ton of it. Um, making a big investment in Draymond Jones. Um, you know, Uchenna and Wosu really kind of broke out last year, had his best season. But I think it's really going to come down to guys like Boye Mafe, Allen Robinson coming back healthy, Daryl Taylor, Derek Hall. Like some of those guys really being answers to give them more of what they missed last year, right? I, I can appreciate that they have some new bodies in here, but, you know, we, we need to see this pass rush come together. We need to see them more stout up front against the run. Jerron Reed, a, a more steady hands coming in here. Um, I know he's been around, but uh, back to Seattle. Um, Draymond Jones, you know, I don't know if he's going to help them stop the run. He's got some pass rush, obviously. Um, so I think I, I think how this comes together, both from emerging pass rushers, but also finding some answers there to anchor and allow Jordan Brooks to play downhill and Bobby Wagner to play downhill is going to be an important part of how this defense is going to improve, right? Because kind of the issue with Seattle last year was defense. Is this the year? And obviously um, Jordan Brooks missed time with an injury during his rookie season and he didn't get his fifth year option exercise, but he was supposed to be an impact player in coverage. That was a lot of the the big vision that they had with him. Do you think this is the year that maybe this all comes together? I'm hoping it's the year it all comes needs together. to. It needs to because Bobby Wagner is still a, an A-plus player, but I, I think his coverage range is kind of where you might see the most uh, drop-off from where we've typically seen Bobby Wagner. And so I think you know this is going to be an important piece for him, And you know, kind of watching Seattle and, and seeing how important Cody Barton was for the defense. Yeah, I think yeah. Jordan Brooks really becoming that complete player is going to be important this year. So here's the good news. Um if you were to pl- if you were to replace 895 snaps on your defense, which is what Cody Barton took last year, you got the right guy stepping into the the role in Bobby Wagner. He could still go. He could still absolutely go when his instincts stand out. But you mentioned that defensive line, Puna Ford, 
642 defensive snaps last year. Quentin Jefferson, 565 defensive snaps last year. Shelby Harris, 562 defensive snaps last year. Bruce Irvin took 400 defensive snaps last year. Like, you're talking 2,000 snaps on the on the defensive side of the ball that were vacating on the line. Yep. And obviously with what they're praying, playing Draymond Jones, you're probably going to operate under the assumption that he's probably taking 800 of those, right? That was the number in my head. It it certainly seems like that. And I think we have to come to consensus on Draymond Jones because as I pull up the depth chart again, he's a player that we haven't filled in yet. We're still trying to come to consensus and negotiate that. But I think he is a player. When you cross-reference the players who left, the Puna Fords, the Quentin Jeffersons, I think he is a better player than Shelby Harris. Um I think he's a more well-rounded skill set than all of those guys. And I think that puts him in position to take 25, 33% more than any of those guys respectively took last year. And they were all between 650 and 500 snaps. Puna Ford, Shelby Harris. Quentin Jefferson. Quentin Jefferson versus Jerron Reed, Draymond Jones, and Brian Moan. Also, Al Woods left as well. That was 375. Wow. I, dude, I'm not sure this is better. I'm not going to lie. I, I think I'd rather have those guys from last year, and that's crazy because the the results weren't good. This defense was not good so, last year. I, I think you're, you're probably going to – I'm expecting we're going to play a little bit more stylistically. You have one nose-tight player. Cross-reference that against Puna Ford, Al Woods. Like, you had a bunch of A-gap, heavy-handed – but they're playing Spacing. Puna as a, as a five a lot last year and as a four. I, be, because you had three of those guys. They had to play. So you're like... Is, is Puna Ford better playing 500 snaps as a, a five or a four I? Or is Draymond Jones better in that role? Draymond Jones. So I think that's the case where you can talk about this being a better group. It's a better fit Oh man, for that, for that responsibility. Oh, I disagree with you on this. No. I, if you would have... Would we agree they probably brought back the least effective of the three nose tackle types that they had in Moan. Yes. It was Moan, Al Woods and Puna Ford. I would have most liked to have either of the other two players over Brian Moan. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I, I, th- I see what you're saying here. They're going to play Moan, Reed, Cameron Young. They're going to be a gap defenders. And then all these other dudes are going to be rush linebackers, four fives. Like I get it. But man, right. your your tight front is going to be Jerron Reed, Brian Moan, and Draymond Jones is the the three down. That's fine. It's fine. I like that they tried to get better, but I don't think they did. I see what they're trying to do, but I think that collection of players last year is better. So, but if you put all of them in a bucket, Draymond Jones is the best player out of all of them. Yeah, he is. So so go play 800 snaps versus 600 for any of the other ones combined. As they, the get, they get the most rush potential out of Draymond Jones. This guy's on roller skates trying to play the run, though. We're not We're not going to talk about that yet. Man, okay. We've got to come to I remain concerned about the Seahawks' defense. I mean, you're counting on, like, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams coming back from injury, and, like, a revamped front that I don't necessarily think is more talented. Like, that's... I mean, yeah, Devin Witherspoon's a nice addition to this corner room. They got a lot of youth. 
they get a lot of developmental upside with Boye Mafe and Daryl Taylor continuing to 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 grow and develop. And I think Derek Hall is a perfect fit for Seattle. Yeah, I agree. So, and Uchenna Wosu was awesome last year. Very cool and, and kind of a unique fit, but him kind of playing that Sam backer there. Um, I I thought he was excellent. I have very little concerns about him being an outlier player that his season last year versus what his career track record says. The same question that we asked about Geno Smith. I am much more confident that Uchenna Wosu will sustain the entire level of play that he put on the field last year. I have less questions about that happening than Geno Smith. I agree with that. Going to come to consensus here? We, 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 we will. Yeah, coming up after a quick break, we are coming to consensus on some players. We didn't come. I won't stand on my chair again. Yeah, all right. See you in a second. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so the players that we have to come to consensus to for this Seattle Seahawks, Daryl Taylor, Brian Moan, Draymond Jones, and Devin Bush. So all front seven players. Uh, we've <laughs> kind of already buried the lead with some of the discussion on the interior. So why don't we start with the other two guys, Daryl Taylor and Devin Bush. Okay. Dealer's choice. Where do you want to go here? Uh, Daryl Taylor. Okay. So Daryl Taylor, nine and a half sacks last year. Yep. And did so on a pretty modest snap count. He played less than 500 defensive snaps, according to Pro Football Reference, last year. So pretty promising to see the the sack production being what it is. I think his floor is an adequate starter. I agree. But I wasn't sure which to commit to between adequate starter and quality starter. And given that from a workload perspective, I mean, you're, you're talking a thousand career defensive snaps. I just want to, I want to get a little bigger sample size before we fully commit to putting him in one bucket or another. Okay. I think I had him as an adequate starter. And so if you want to hold out and lean towards the yellow, Realizing that there's more ceiling, I'm good with that. Okay. So he will formally be a incomplete evaluation, but the floor is an adequate start. Yeah. I think he cleans up some of his tackles, too. He's got pretty pretty decent amount of missed tackle opportunities, of course, across his first two seasons as well. You get that cleaned up, we play a little bit higher snap volume, and I'm not sure how much more he's going to really command because they're rolling pretty deep in this in this edge group. But if he does that, I, I think he could make the leap and potentially be a blue. He's a good player. Uh, Devin Bush. He's a mess. For Pittsburgh last year. coming on, I mean, he started off really exciting, got injured, never came back, and was the same, and got a very modest opportunity to come play in Seattle. I, just, I was really caught off guard in watching Devin Bush, and, and still a young player. 
He's got 48 career starts. He was 24 last season. So maybe you're hopeful that there's continued growth. He's actually still 24. He turns 24, 25 in about a month. But just the the instincts and the, the keys with discipline and anticipation and feeling where he needs to go. Him and Miles Jack last year were a disaster on the second level for Pittsburgh. Yep. And if, heaven forbid, if Bobby Wagner goes down and you have to put Devin Bush out there with Jordan Brooks, I think you just have players who can really create uh, some problems for your defense on how to compensate in spacing in the middle of the field, especially when you're going to play San Francisco and, and the road to playoff success goes against San Francisco in that division where there's going to be a lot of run action, uh, a lot of crossers across the middle of the field, and you got to really be on point to get to the ball on time. So I had him as an orange. I had him as a replacement level player. I'm happy to meet you there. I was. I originally came in as a thinking he was at least quality depth because he's been a starter on good defenses. Um, but yeah, he was rough last year, and I think the league told us a lot about the way they perceived him with the opportunities that weren't there for him. And I'd be nervous if he had to play a lot of snaps for this defense. Okay. Let's go Brian Moan. Go ahead. Give me your thoughts. Brian Moan entering year five. Uh, will turn 28 this year. I think he's a very limited player that is a 360-pound run stopper that's not that good at that. I feel like I can find anybody to to do what he does. I think he's very much a replacement-level player for me. So – and I generally agree that I don't think the ceiling here is particularly high. But my only argument is you said you can find anybody to do that, but there aren't a lot of anybody's that are 360 pounds. Because they don't want to be 360 pounds. It's diminishing returns. Be 330 and move. Right. I don't know. It says a lot that they kept him over those other guys. I had him as adequate depth, right? I had him as quality depth. But the problem is he's playing a starting role. You got to think Jerron Reed probably winds up being the starter there. Right, but if you're going to play a tight front, if you're going to go odd front, now if you're going to go under front and and you're going to play with technically four down linemen, you can get away with Reed, Jones, somebody else, and, and then Daryl Taylor with Unwosu at Sam Backer, so I get it. But if you're actually going to go with an authentic 3-4 front in certain instances or certain weeks, he has to be your nose. Who's going to be the other 4-I? Who's going to be the other 5? They gave, him, they gave him two years $11 million. So they're paying him to be your starting nose tackle. What's the what's the scoop with his knee injury? Is he going to be good? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he's the only defensive lineman on this roster that's over 300 pounds. Ron Reed's over 300 pounds, but that might be Cam Young, right? Just those those nose tackles. Yeah. Okay. He he no he so he suffered a torn ACL in Week 15, December 20th. Is he going to play this year? Yes, he's going to play. Are you sure? December, we probably didn't have surgery till January. It's a nine to twelve month recovery. He's three hundred sixty six pounds. 
like you said, there's there's not a lot of dynamic athleticism to worry about here, right? We're we are a straight line player. <laughs> just, I'm just gonna just hold get the ready to just, just just squat there, buddy. Right. I don't know, man. All right. With the injury element here, I'm I'll come down, I'll meet you. We'll make also him. We'll also make him, I should say. Draft dudes do English, a replacement level player. And that leaves Draymond Jones, who you had as a what? I have him as a quality starter. And I had him as a roster cornerstone. I'm going to assume your exception is with his ability against the run. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think well, I he's a below, person. a below average run defender. Um, but the reality is, like, he's he's paid a lot of money to be a, a sack artist, and I think he's an okay sack artist, but his career high six and a half sacks. It's not like he's blowing up the sack production. I don't understand the contract they gave him. Really consistent production in both phases. He's a, he's a penetration type, type player. I think in Seattle, you put him in an opportunity to play in the B gap. He's got nine tackles in each tackles for loss in each of the last two seasons. He's got double digit quarterback hits in each of the last two seasons. He's got twelve sacks in the last two seasons combined. And that was yeah, also sure. with him being kind of in a rotational job in in Denver, where he played less than sixty percent of the snaps in twenty twenty one. I'm just buying on the upside, and I'm uh, and I'm buying on the fit within the defense. I understand it, and that's why I'm giving him a quality starter. They certainly think he's a roster cornerstone, but like this is a special group, like of roster cornerstones. Yeah, we're talking about the Quinnen Williams of the world, the Jeffrey Simmons, the Christian Wilkins, the Chris Jones. Like, I don't, I, I don't think he touches right. those guys. All right. Precedent set in other assignments is your be- was your best argument, and you just made it. So. That's going to do it for Seattle. Should have led with that. Great. We could have saved ourselves a lot of time here, and I could have told you that I heard back from Rob Juden. Well, what, well go ahead. He hadn't if seen it. He hadn't mm-hmm. seen it. Because mm-hmm. it's fake. It ran, on the, it ran on the local news. This is not In just Delaware? The first state? You guys got different news no, over there? No, it ran on the local news in Las Vegas. Mm. And they got shared to the internet. Where nothing is ever wrong. <laughs> I'll be uh, following this story very closely. We can Good. revisit it on Monday. Good. So, uh, Seattle wearing green, talking about little green men. How awesome is that? Uh, congratulations wow. on your new training camp hat as well. Is that oh, what I see there? You. Yeah, I think I've worn it the last two days in the show. So, well, I just happened to to see it now. This that's the best selling point that you could possibly give the NFL for me to buy the Dolphins training camp hat. Is, is that one looks pretty good. Oh, well, thank you. So I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. We are the draft dudes. We're also Bengals Monday. Here. Bengals Monday. Bengals on Monday. Two-time AFC Conference Championship participants in each of the last two seasons. Big time. Next week is a heavy-hitting week. I'll just say that. So you're going to make sure you hit subscribe, follow, and you can find us on YouTube or wherever you list your favorite podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are the draft dudes, and we are out of here. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you all on Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.